Action! Welcome to Torn Stubbs with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and big old film fan. And Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. It's Christmas! Christmas! I have a gift for you on today, the day of the birth of Jesus my Lord. Christus. My Lord. Oh yeah, me. Jesus Gomez. <clears throat> Merry Christmas! Ooh, Merry Christmas! It's rectangular and it says happy birthday on it. <laughs> Yes, happy birthday. Because it's the birthday of our Lord. Our Lord, Jesus yes. Christ. Or I won't have anything said against old Steve, Jose. Steven Spielberg, our Lord. Our Lord. In you we in we you we place our trust. Ooh, it's black and white. Ivan's Childhood by Andre Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. We've gone classy this year. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Yeah. I have, I feel like Chicken I should tonight? know what this is, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, so one of Russia's greatest filmmakers. Yeah. This is his feature film debut from 1962. Oh, fantastic. And it's only 94 minutes. Well done, Andrei Tarkovsky. <laughs> <laughs> when I was looking at it, because I bought one for myself, I was thinking, thank God it's only only 94. <laughs> if it was like 95. Mm. But back in the day, they made shorter films because they knew, well, two and a half hour films or hello, three and a half hour. I haven't got three and a half hours to watch The Irishman yet. No, I know. It's like you've got to find time in your busy life to sit down and watch three hours worth of a film. Yeah. What is with And it'll that? be longer than three and a half hours because we're at home. We can pause, go for yeah. a wee, go out Feed for the a cat. sandwich, yeah. a cat, buy a cat, buy a get cat, it delivered on it. Amazon Now, <laughs> which is like the two hour delivery and then feed it. Oh, Amazon yeah. Now. Um, well, I've got a happy Hanukkah present for you. Oh. Happy Hanukkah. And you spelt Hanukkah in the English way. Well done. Did I? Yeah. What was it meant to be? Um, well, you put H-A-N-U-K-K-A-H, which is fine, but it's it can also be spelt with a C at the beginning and a different letter. A C the at the beginning? Like Hanukkah. Oh, okay. They're, not, they're only wrapped in the bag. They're not wrapped individually. So okay. you've got to like so feel around. One? Oh, I can feel like some boxes and a big box. Let's go for the big box first. <laughs> it's a Star Wars mug. Yeah. Oh. I know it's Thank the new you. it's the new gen Star Wars, but I figure you can never have too many mugs. Oh, it is episode nine. Is that actually episode nine? But it says from the film Star Wars episode nine, but they never put it as episode nine. They How call weird. it just Star Wars general. Do you think they produced all of these before yes. the film title was officially released? And also, they're probably like, it's probably back stock, isn't it? They've just like pushed out again. For... Yeah. That and is I can feel weird, two, isn't it? I can feel in this little bag you've got, I can feel two <clears throat> disc boxes. Let me pull one uh -huh. of them out. Chevy Chase National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Excellent. Have you got it? N no. Perfect. Uh, Have you seen is, it? But this, no, but this is back in the day when Chevy Chase was worth watching. Yeah. But hang on, you haven't seen it? No. Oh, mate, it's one of my favorite Christmas films, which is why I bought it for you. Oh. So who directed it? God knows, but oh, it's really fun. No it's really really fun. This product is security protected. Yeah, it was. I was really scared that the thing was going to bleep as I left the shop, but it was fine. And <laughs> <laughs> you giving me this <laughs> Freddy vs Jason? This is just your copy. No, it's not. I don't actually own Freddy vs Jason. Well, 
<laughs> Are you sure? Because you love Freddy vs. Jason. I do. Wow. And I was like, well, now you've got it on Blu-ray. Oh, thank you. That's all right. And there's commentary from director Ronnie Yu. That'll be interesting. And go. Robert Eglund. I imagine it'll just be Robert Eglund talking. Why do you always say Eglund? Is it Eglund? It's Eng- England. England. Robert England. Freddy. Oh, thank you. Pleasure. I'm it's like... put them back in the bag. I love <laughs> it when forget. you go to charity shops and buy me shit. I did not go to a charity <laughs> shop. I went to something similar to a charity shop. <laughs> Wex. Not Wex. <laughs> CEX. No, actually. Well, it's Christmas and a staple of British Christmas, at least for the last 15 years, has been Doctor Who. So we've watched Doctor Who the movie recommended by our loyal listener, Thomas Meehan. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks, Thomas. This film was actually a TV movie and it was first released in May 1996, but set <laughs> in December 1999. I it's got no so... connection to Christmas at all, other than the fact that it's Doctor Who. I mean, and there's a wreath on the door and it is set around New Year, like the millennium. Yes, well, it's set on December the 30th. So it's like, it's Y2K. Y2K kind of panic is, forms a very, very loose backdrop to the Yeah, but story. they never make much of it. No. The, the panic is basically about the fact that they can't get the fucking clock thing to work at the yes. end, um, which is hilarious. But um, I, we, I've thought this was from the 70s. Really? So I was so confused when all the CGI was going on and it actually was shot quite in quite a modern like a 90s way. I was like, when the hell was this actually but made? I remember it coming out. Do you? I remember, yeah, I remember it coming out. Because I'd never been a, a Whovian, have you? No. Have you ever tried to get into it? I tried when it was it was like the 2005 reboot with Christopher Eccleston and, and um, um, Billy Piper. Billy Piper. And I did try it, and like some of them, I kind of enjoyed, but it just always felt a little bit like EastEnders with aliens. Like it just <laughs> felt a little bit cheap and a little bit naff. Yeah, I've always um, I always find it really twee. It's just very British, and it kind of wears yeah. that as a badge of honor, and I think that's great because the sci-fi market is saturated by American. Um, movies and TV shows. Um, so that's great. But I, for me, it was just a little bit too toe curly. So have I never you, stuck have with you it. Ever, I mean, are you, are you into sort of British sort of sci-fi or British... It's, it's basically, it's humour sci-fi. Yeah. So are you into like um, like Terry Pratchett's books? Are you into Neil Gaiman? Are yeah. Are you into... Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the writer, but he wrote like po- Apocalypse the Musical where someone has to go back in time to get Elvis to save the world. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, it's that sort of same Good Omens vibe. Yeah. To it. And, and I like enjoyed Good Omens. A bit Red Dwarf, year. isn't it? Red Dwarf, yeah. yeah. There's always... I never really liked Red Dwarf either. And it's but I sacrilege. did, because, I mean, with Red Dwarf, it was very much like the best of British humour. They do it with a wink and a nudge, and it's ironic. Mm-hmm. But I never found that with Doctor Who. Mm. So I tried to get into Doctor Who probably about 30 years ago when... Sylvester McCoy was doing his first... When you were seven years old? Yeah. Wow. Honestly, when, he, when Sylvester McCoy was doing his, his bunch of series yeah. um, before it got cancelled, <clears throat> I remember some kids in my class were massively into it. They lent me a, one of the books, because like Star Wars, it has the expanded Doctor Who universe with mm. all the books and everything. Radio shows, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, and I just, it just wasn't for me, but equally it wasn't for me because there was such a massive history. Yeah, I know. That's the thing is like researching this film, there's an enormous Wikipedia page that is almost like a hub that leads off to a thousand other Wikipedia pages. And it just seems like such a huge weight of mythology. But the mythology has never been broken. 
it's still right. relevant now. They could, yeah, they yeah. could, they could reference something back to William Hart, Hartel. Yeah, the first one. Is that the one. first one? Hart, yeah, Hartel. Uh, Hartel. That doesn't sound right. I've forgotten what he was called. But the first Doctor Who back in 1963, Hartnell. Yeah. Hartnell. Yeah. So the first Doctor Who back in 1963 could be referenced now. Yeah. However many years, what's that? 59, 56 years later. Yeah. Well, because in the film, the, the, the movie we've just watched, he says something like, oh, I've only got 13 goes in me or something. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas, Joshua. Um, that, I found that really confusing. If the Doctor's only got 13 lives, Paul mm. McGann, who's in this film, was the eighth. Yeah. Then after him comes uh, Christopher Eccleston, who was the ninth. Then it was David Tennant, who was the 10th. Then Matt, Matt Smith. Smith is the 11th. Yeah. Um, the guy from the thick of it, Peter, Peter Capaldi, Capaldi yeah. is the 12th. 12th. And now Jodie Whittaker is yeah. the 13th. So yeah. what do they do? How do they then retcon it and say, oh, actually, the doctor, they, not he or she, yeah. they have more than 13 lives yeah they're gonna have to do something like go through time and twist something or you know they're gonna have to make it so that i mean they could just go back to like back to the seventh doctor again like Sylvester mccoy and just be and just fiddle with that in some way and it just reboots the whole thing in what way i was just thinking that you could fix it by going back in time and going back into the body of a previous doctor is he still alive assuming if you go back in time they are no no the actor oh i don't know (laughs) That would be difficult. Do you know what though? They can get Barry Humphreys in because when this film started, I was like, is that Barry Humphreys as the Doctor? Dame Edna. Dame Edna because they look so (laughs) similar. They look nothing alike. (laughs) That's basically like saying, oh, well, you know, Vinnie Jones, he looks just like Barack Obama. (laughs) No, he doesn't. You're basically saying one man looks like another. I think they look look nothing alike. They look very similar. Oh, just because they're white. Not all white people look alike, Joshua. Yeah, they do. If that's true, then we'd look alike. (laughs) Yeah, we could go down a very interesting role path there, but um, no, because Sylvester McCoy recently was in the Hobbit film, so I'm pretty sure he is still alive. No, he wasn't. He that was, was Ian Holm. No, oh my god, he was the guy with the rabbits. Oh, to be honest, I haven't seen the Hobbit films. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> I what only do you just know? Saw Return of the King this year. Oh dear. I mean, it's and not... I think I'm still watching the however many endings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like five endings to that film. There's a lot of endings. Yeah. Um, in terms of this, I genuinely think as a slice of mid-90s sci-fi, it holds up. Yeah. like So So the story is the seventh Doctor... Sylvester, Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. He crash lands kind of in Earth. Um, um, he's trying... he crash land? No, he's, he's transporting the master. Who's turned into like some kind of gooey thing. Some cum. Yeah, supposedly he's been defeated by... Sylvester McCoy. I've, I've got a feeling right. this is stuff that was happened in the very final episode of the series that was cancelled yeah. in 1989. And they've picked up where they've left off. Because there's like sound effects of the Daleks at the very beginning of the film. It's all very confusing. There's like, like a dashed off bit of narration that I'm, I was just like, what the fuck is yeah, going on? Yeah, but this is what I pick up from it. Yeah. That, you know, the continuity was just continued. Because right. I imagine it's, it's probably... If you've just invested... Let's say you've watched it since... 1963 and you've just invested 25 26 years of your life and then suddenly it ends yeah you probably feeling a bit short changed that now in 1996 you had to wait all that lot that time 
just to have the the loose ends tied yeah. up. And it wasn't even like the BBC cancelled it. They just chose not to make any more for a while. Yeah. It's bizarre. Well, that is their way of saying cancelled. I guess so. It's not like they never. They said we'll never do it. It wasn't officially announced. But he's transporting the master, who he's reduced down to some goop, yeah, uh, back to Gallifrey, where yeah. he comes from, yeah. And the doc, the, the the master manages to escape. They crash land, yeah. And the doctor gets shot. And my god, that was fucking brutal. Really great. I mean, all of the the guy's friends as well. What's his name? Chang Lee. All of his friends get mowed down. But just the way that the doctor steps out like, la-da-da, gonna go get a bloody cappuccino and then bang, bang, dead. Just the way that Sylvester McCoy jerks his yeah. body and then just planks to the floor. It's a great moment. It's, But it's this is a kid's movie. I know. <laughs> this is like tea time viewing. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, there's brutal. some really dark stuff in this film. Really dark. There's like, there's a great nightmarish horror moment where there's the two rebirths of both the Doctor and of the Master, and yes. it's like it's juxtaposed with the Frank Frankenstein's monster being mm-hmm. born, and yeah, it's really, really dark and horrible and really effective actually. That regeneration was done so well. Mm. Obviously, Sylvester just contort your face, so he's like, wow, yeah, and then they sort of. TV morph it yeah. with Paul McGann. Yeah. It and it still genuinely holds up. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's genuinely. Great. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. That the, the I think it does the film itself does hold up as kind of like a sci-fi adventure. I think the first half especially is really good. Yes. And it does start to unravel a bit towards the end. Oh, 100%. Um, it, it becomes it becomes a very cliched nineties Flash thing. Gordon style. Well, yeah, I, just, I kind of felt that it was on a par with sort of the Friday the Thirteenth movies that had been made at the time and the 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 Freddy films. That kind of supernatural style, yeah, adventure films with a reasonably young, good-looking cast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's this was made as like a backdoor pilot to kind of try to launch Doctor Who in America. Yes. So uh, producer Philip Seagal, he was like, I don't think there's any relation to the other Seagal, but he was really keen to make a US series. Do you mean Stephen? Paul Seagal. <laughs> Stephen Paul Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and the only people who would actually fund it hilariously were Fox. Mm. Um, but Fox would only commit to a movie rather than a series. So they co-financed with the BBC and various other people to raise five million to make this it took them seven film. years. Did you watch the documentary on the disc? I didn't have time. Uh, no. It's quite interesting. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a lot of back and forth. Is that the like between... hour-long documentary? Yeah. It's like seven Doctor year, Who has been around hitch. forever. It's called The Seven uh, Year Hitch or The Seven Year Itch. Uh-huh. My my questions still exist about the Doctor. Mm. Does does the Doctor know that he or they are about to regenerate when it happens? If so, where is the they're next... always they're always a bit shocked when they first emerge, aren't they? They're always a bit like, oh, oh, blah, 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 oh my God. Uh, well, I've only had experience of this one. Oh, right. Well, because I've seen when... Through I don't know how, but through various means, I've seen various doctors, the modern ones, regenerating, regenerating. and it's always a bit like of a bit of a head fuck. Um, When I remember seeing a clip when David Tennant was changing into Matt Smith, yeah, David Tennant's doctor went, "I don't want to go." Oh yeah. So is it? I just don't get it. If 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 he, they're essentially dying, but he's coming back and he'll have the same memories. No, I don't think they don't have the same memories. Like, because then when Matt Smith appears, 
he kind of jerks off in his Matt Smith kind of way and starts fiddling around with the TARDIS and he right. has no memory of who Karen Gillan You're asking is? me? I don't watch it. I can't remember now. Who was it? Oh, was it um, Thingy Tate? Catherine? Yeah. Catherine Tate? Yeah. Was she in it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're aware they're going to change, but I don't think they have a memory of who they were before. Where does the body come from? Like, who who chooses what the next Doctor will look like? Obviously, the commissioning editors, but within the context <laughs> of the story, where does the next body come from? Isn't it the same body, though? Is it? It just morphs a bit, just changes. But it can't be. Yeah, because that was the whole plot of this film, was the Master trying to get his body. Yeah, but that's not the same as it, it's the same body. I just kind Clearly, of saw it as you... Matt Smith does not look like Jodie Whittaker. No. Or Christopher Eggleston or Tom Baker. Britain, Britain, Britain. <laughs> but it's the same entity, I think. Like, it's just been But who chooses... Changed. Yeah, but how does the aesthetic get chosen and... Don't know. It makes there no... must be some kind of mythological reason within the series that explains that. And while we're touching on the mythology, what's the Doctor's mission? What's the purpose of the Doctor? Isn't he just a bit of an explorer? He's just kind of going around exploring the universe, just seeing what happens. But for what purpose? <laughs> like we have it in Star Trek, they're yeah. there to go beyond where no man has gone be- boldly. before. Go- boldly. But in Quantum Leap, we've got Sam... Leaping through time, striving to put right, but once went wrong, and hoping that the next leap will, will be, be his the leap last. Home. Yeah. His last. <laughs> will be his last. <laughs> but this, he seems a bit bumbling. It's it's almost like a Wallace and Gromit esque, like bumble from one situation to the next with no real motivation. Mm. And I wonder where did he get the TARDIS from? What's his mission? Why does he do what he does? Yeah. Or she? Or they? Or they. Or us. Um, so woke. I don't know. I, I do not know. We need someone to actually write in and tell us because I have no <laughs> write idea. Write in. Write in and tell us, folks. Answers on the postcard. Yeah. Old Lock, London E3-2NN. <laughs> How the hell do you remember that? Watched brick bre- I watched The Big Breakfast every day <laughs> for like six years. <laughs> it's in my mind. 0800-811-8181. That is terrifying. That's like I assume it's in. right. Yeah. yeah. I really really dug Paul McGann's performance. Did you? Yeah, I thought he was he was so serious about being the Doctor. Yeah. So serious about that he wasn't taking it 100% seriously. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't bogged down. It didn't feel Shakespearean. He, it felt like he got the tone right. And from what I know of the Doctors that um, David Tennant would go on to play and Matt Smith... There's an element of British eccentricity in those characters that I think can be traced back to this. Mm. He, um, weirdly, like, about 10 minutes into him being the Doctor, I was like, he sounds really familiar. And basically, he's got James McAvoy's voice. They're, like, identical. It's so bizarre. Like, what? His, James his McAvoy's delivery... He's Scottish. When James McAvoy is being Professor X, oh, right. <laughs> that's what he sounds like. That's what this Doctor sounds like. It was really weird. I did not pick that up. I did, clearly. But I was really happy with his his performance. He had a really sort of boyish exuberance to yeah. him. Yeah, I hated like, the wig. I hated the wig. I don't think that is a wig. It, it is, because he hated the wig as well. Really? Yeah. Because I don't think it looks like a wig. I Immediately, my wig radar wig went watch. off. Wig <laughs> watch. You're listening to Wig Watch with Joshua Winning. Under the microscope this week, Paul McGann. <laughs> but yeah, no, he was really 
um engaging i felt mm. yeah he was great like there's that really angsty moment that's a bit like an uh kind of rolling stones video where he's like got the mirrors and he's in that white <laughs> oh, yeah. that white sheet wrapped Who around am him I? <laughs> yeah. I always wonder when they finish doing the scream into the sky what they do they just pause and feel a bit self-conscious <laughs> they probably so have a bit of a walk cheer. away <laughs> no whereas paul mcgann was taking it really seriously. Mm. Eric Roberts, as the master, was acting in a completely different movie. Yeah. One second, he's like the Terminator with his shades on <laughs> yeah. at that nurse's station window, just like, I'll be back. <laughs> picking his finger off. Yeah, picking his <laughs> finger off. Then he's like a lizard man with his funny eyes. Yeah. Then he's... Um, Julian Clary. He's Julian Clary, <laughs> crossed with Emperor Ming. Yeah. Yeah. He was acting in a very cheap cheesy movie there was a very difference in tone between the two of them yeah and it was really it was quite jarring but he's all right until he puts on that massive cape yeah like he's kind of he just gets that balance right between evil and kind of funny with it but then it starts to get really camp and ridiculous especially because all the logic at the end of the film well there isn't any (laughs) no there isn't the whole eye of whatever it was just like i don't understand why that's even a thing (laughs) why did the master get sucked into it but doctor who didn't yeah, and why did the TARDIS going back in time somehow regenerate the two human characters? And why didn't it turn him back into Sylvester McCoy? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what? It just doesn't make any sense. But Eric Roberts is not a bad actor. No. Christopher Nolan has hired him. He's been um, in Heroes. He was mm. um, HRG's boss. Oh, yeah. Horn rimmed glasses. Brilliant. Noah. Why does the master come on everyone? Because it makes them turn into him, doesn't it? There's a Me Too message yeah, in there somewhere. Like, what's her face? Grace, Dr. Grace. She turns into him after getting splooged on. <laughs> She's the um, stupidest doctor. She was great to begin with. But she just believes anything anyone says. Well, she had a bit of resistance. Like, she didn't want him to come in the in the house. And then he just walked through the window. Which was a brilliant effect. I rewatched that bit this yeah. morning. But she was great. Like, her whole introduction, I thought, worked really well. I liked how they played out the disbelief with the um, x-ray scan that they do you know everyone keeps saying it was a double exposure or double yeah. exposure like that felt really real like the, the first 20 minutes of the film did, did a really good job of grounding in a kind of a believable fantasy world they did they did have a, a, a story thread that was a bit holby city <laughs> where they're trying to cover up her professional negligence oh yeah <laughs> like that went nowhere yeah <laughs> like, like in 20 years that... time you're gonna get some like Ronan Farrow, investigative journalist, <laughs> uncovering this uh, this conspiracy. This promising the, doctor, the two-hearted man. Yeah, and it'd I'd be like... a Netflix documentary, <laughs> the two-hearted man. I love how she just lets him burn the X-ray. She doesn't try to grab it off him. But it's on fire. Really? Yeah, and she has very delicate. She was wearing the most flammable really dress. Oh yeah, but I love that she was a doctor because it was nice that she's an Earthbound doctor and he's a, a space faring doctor and i thought they had a fun chemistry i didn't particularly like the romance i didn't feel there was a romance i just felt that doctor who kissed her doctor who he's called the doctor then why is it called doctor who i don't know (laughs) (laughs) people get really angry about this i realized this a few years ago um that if you call him the character doctor who people get really angry about it why is it called doctor who then because i guess it's meant to be like who was that brave doctor who came and saved me who was that that man on a horse type thing but that doesn't mean his name is who <laughs> so he just is the doctor but yeah the doctor the fans get really upset about okay. that okay so yeah. but the doctor when he realized i know who i am he just kisses her yeah 
And she's like, do it that's again. Not, oh, well, yeah, but that's, not, that's not a romance. It's bad. That's a codependent relationship. Yeah, and it's like the first time that they really tried to make Doctor, not who, into a romantic <laughs> Well, he was a good-looking lad. He was all right, wasn't he? he? Was good-looking lad. I mean, who yeah. would you rather have, Sylvester McCoy or Paul McGann? <laughs> I mean, Sylvester McCoy probably has got some great stories that he could, like, tuck you off in bed with, but... Um, uh, in what sure. way? He did work for the BBC in the 80s. <laughs> he was a white man. Well, I meant his doctor. <laughs> um, here's a question for you, Joshua. Oh, God. Is Doctor Who God? He's not called Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Doctor God. Not this fucking question again. <laughs> As I wrote it down, I was like, he's going to love oh, this. That's, yeah, because obviously when you asked me that about Carrie White, I nearly lost my <laughs> shit. And then you realised. And I was like, oh, that's actually quite a good question. Yeah. Um, the Doctor, I don't know. I always saw him as actually a little bit spiritual because there's, you know, obviously in um, the Hindu, um, in Hinduism, there's the idea of reincarnation. And every time you're reincarnated, you've learned something more from your previous life. And I felt that maybe Doctor Doctor. Yeah, I'm sure it's Hinduism. Maybe I'm on my first life then. Is it Hinduism or Buddhism? It's one of those Might two. Might be Buddhism. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very much about learning through your life and then you're reborn. But do you remember <clears throat> your previous life? Not Like consciously? I don't think it's like a conscious thing. It's more of like a spiritual growth. And so I don't know how many times you actually kind of regenerate like the doctor does. Mm. Um, but I think the goal is to like end up being this amazing well-rounded pure force in the universe right um so i kind of thought i've always thought of the doctor a little bit like that where he's gathering experience and he's learning and learning and learning to then eventually become like a godlike figure where he's this perfect specimen as long as the doctor gets it done within 13 lives well yeah because the master had clearly not learned anything he'd wasted all mm. his lives as he said yeah or along the lines of he said something along those lines didn't he I've used up all my lives uh-huh. that's why he wants the doctor's body right so is it a case that the master they're obviously complete foils of each other yeah but I see the doctor whoever they may be mm-hmm. as as a godlike figure at the end of the film he's wearing a a crown of thorns he's got that weird oh, thing on his head of course he has yeah he dies and comes back to life yeah when he dies, he is stored in a small cave-like mm. environment. He has to move the door or the boulder out the way in order to be reborn. And when he does, he's got long hair and he's got white sheets on. Yeah. He's got robes on him. That's true, actually. He's on the side of good, not evil. Yeah. He is both objectively and subjectively good there isn't a bad bone in the doctor's body he seems uh-huh. very he seems very much about saving the universe he is selfless he has no selfish motivations mm. he doesn't care about his own life just stopping the bad just guy. stopping the 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 master i mean you can argue he's doing it because he doesn't want the master to take his body but he doesn't talk about that much he says i don't want the universe to die yeah so he's very much about the continuation and the saving of humanity and he heals two people brings them back from the dead Mm. biblical stories are just ingrained i think in in you know in our culture and i think that if you've had any kind of experience of the church and religion and the bible even just in your childhood i think it is ingrained in you and it does come out in storytelling in funny ways and because they're such universal stories Mm -hmm. i think that 
you know when you look when you look for them like in doctor who, doctor who the movie here you can find that religious stuff but um it doesn't necessarily mean it was kind of a a purposeful thing but yeah it's yeah looking at it that way it definitely is there has the doctor met everyone before he keeps saying things like to grace he said don't be sad grace you'll do great things yeah there's lots of logic leaps there which don't really make any sense and then yeah and then later on he says to chang lee the little asian guy next christmas take yeah. a vacation yeah remember take a vacation yeah so is it a case that he has met them all before or is he so tethered to time that he can just sort of naturally and instinct instinctively access the time mm. archives to know exactly what's going to happen yeah which I don't think is a thing in the other series. I think it's just a bit of a goof in this film. Because if it was that, then surely there'd be no point in him doing anything. No. Because it's he all could set already, already see that it's set. Yeah. Unless, if he makes a change, then will the time archives update immediately, which will download into his mind. Yeah. Well, because like he's... Even Dr. Grace Holloway, she says you've got selective amnesia. Like, he doesn't know who he is, but he knows weirdly intrinsically that he has two hearts. Like, when they're in the back of the taxi, he's like, I've got two hearts! Take me to your house or something. And it's just like, how the hell do you know that? You've just woken up. Yeah. And and he also knows he's met Mozart, or he's met someone, you know, he's met all these people in history. Yeah, and it's just a bit like, well, how do you know that then? Because you've just been reborn, but you don't seem to know anything. Did you enjoy the fact that it was so American, or do you think that it detracts somehow from the Doctor Who phenomenon. I'm at two minds with this. A, we've spoken already that I think the reason none of us, neither of us, get into Doctor Who is because it is so unbelievably, unironically very British. Hmm. And I, I think the best British things have to have irony in them to make it work. It has to be very self-deprecating and like, just take the piss out of yourself. Yeah, but not necessarily in such an overt way. Yeah. You know, like Little Britain is very ironic, uh-huh. but they're very serious about being that way. But it's it's obviously looking at British society yeah. in, in the sideways glance. Same with Monty Python, mm. same with Forty Towers, same with Only Fools and Horses. You know, it's that level of well, irony because in those, the characters... Doctor Who has. Yeah, because in, in those, I think British humour is very much about the characters are the joke, the characters are the punchlines in every scene. Whereas in Doctor Who, it's the it's plot. Not, yeah, it's all yeah. about sci-fi plot and how heroic he is. And, and there doesn't seem all that much depth. But mm. this, I think I, I like it because it is so slick and American. Mm. Yeah, I felt the same way. When it first started, I was like, oh God, okay. This does not. This is not what I was expecting whatsoever. No. Had you never seen this before? No, never, never even uh, heard of it. Really? No. And then when all the credits were coming up, there was like Patrick Lissier, the editor, he was, or he, you know, he is a director as well. And he edited all of Wes Craven's later films. Oh, really? Um, the, the guy who did the music, John Debney, he's a big Hollywood composer who did one of my favorite films, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, so all the names, you know, some of the, the bit part actors, like the morgue guy is a character, he's like a funny guy uh, who was in Drop Dead Gorgeous, the 1999 film. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it just had this really slick, american feel to it that i wasn't expecting at all and actually that might be why i enjoyed it a lot more than other doctor who iterations but at the same time this flopped massively in the states it was quite a big hit over here ratings wise ratings wise yeah but in america it was a a big sort of disappointment but i wonder if they'd even gotten doctor who no they wouldn't know when it was coming out like 
There was no Nowadays, BBC America or anything, you know. No, but you know, British shows could go over there. Monty Python was airing from the, mm. the the moment that from the moment that it was it was broadcast here. So I wonder if it was it was broadcasting concurrently in America, mm. or if they just got it after the fact. I feel like it must have been after the fact, surely, because then, like when when the new Doctor Who in two thousand and five with uh, Christopher Eccleston, when that went to America, I mean, it must have helped that. I guess BBC America was also out then. I don't know when that launched. But it also must it but massively helped that Russell huge. T. Davis right. was involved. And yeah. He just had a big hit with the American version of Queer as Folk, uh, yeah, which yeah. is coming back. Yeah, Is it coming back? The American version. Oh. They're, they're rebooting oh, it. Oh, I never saw the American one. But I do wonder if the fact that it, even though they really tried to make it glossy and American and you know they used the same hospital that they shot the X-Files in and... Um, you know, they ju- did that cool juxtaposition with Frankenstein and all that kind of stuff. That was all great. But then they couldn't get away from the the stuff that was so British, like the TARDIS. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't know what a police box is. I barely oh, know yeah. what a police box is. <laughs> well, I used to see one every day on the way to school mm. in between Collindale and Hendon on the Northern Line. Oh, yeah. You pass the back of Hendon Police College. Yeah. And there's a, there's a TARDIS right there. Ah. And the TARDIS in this, the interior was so cool. It was like this yeah. kind of, this monolith. Does monis- it not normally look like that? It looks like this cheap plastic bit of tap from like a really bad theatre production. But is it not usually that vast? That no. Was like a, a castle. Yeah, it was really cool. I loved it. But in all of the all the, the recent stuff that I have seen, it just looks like a kids' TV show. Like you expect to see like Tinky Winky walking through. It just looks so stupid. <laughs> but do they do they have like vast rooms, or is it just that one with the little console? I don't know, but all I know is that that console room looks tacky. Oh, I fucking loved it when that police cyclist went in. Oh god! And then out. <laughs> <laughs> he turned around. It's got, such a cool joke. He got those steps pretty down pretty well, didn't he? Do you think this could inspire you to watch the newer Doctor Who's that are coming out now? Especially now they're doing the second series with Jodie Whittaker, and they're shooting in America. They're doing the second series with her. As in her second series. She's already, she already done one series, hasn't she? she? Yeah, I'm sure she has. Oh, I completely missed that. Oh. I don't know. Would I watch it? Mm, I'm just not really into it. I just don't. I'm not a fan. I think it's just so episodic. Yes. That I just can't get into it. I love a miniseries with a very clear yeah. over overarching storyline. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I want I want to be able to watch I don't mind if there's diversions, mm. you know, like the best seasons of Buffy were um, episodic in places, but they always, always had a very strong through line. Yeah. And that's what you tune in for, because you want to be able to watch characters changing and developing. And I know that Doctor Who does do that and has done that, but... But physically change, yes, but is there a, a character change? Yeah, because, you know, that's why they have the um, the companions. And like, so the companion will... That's where the story is? That the Doctor has to remain the same? Yeah, essentially it seems that way. Like when uh, David Tennant had the whole romance with Rose, Billy Piper, and it was like this big, huge, emotional, dramatic thing that happened. Which Do they often have that? Does the Doctor often get off with the assistants? I feel like, I think more and more it, it did become that. Right. Um, I don't think that Peter Capaldi had that kind of thing. And I don't, I very, I'd be surprised if Jodie Whittaker was given a romantic thing. Because I know that was, her, her, assistant is uh, Bradley Walsh. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Why? Bradley Walsh. 
Yeah. He's a comedian. He's like a presenter comedian, isn't he? He's a presenter. He's a... That's he's like, a triple threat. He's a presenter, comedian, and a musician. That's like having Michael McIntyre as her companion. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Michael McIntyre. Would you, so would you watch it? Would you get into the more recent ones? Um, I'll give it a glance. Okay. I'll give it a glance because, you know, you never know. There, there's certain things that I didn't like when I was younger, and I don't just mean as a teenager, I mean up to like five years ago, mm. that I quite like now. Okay. Like Leonard Cohen music, Bob Dylan music. And you're only going to know whether you're into something unless, you know, unless you give it a try. Yeah. So try. maybe on Christmas Day, I'm pretty sure there's always a, a Doctor Who. Yeah. I mean, today I will sit down, because <laughs> we're not recording this on the 1st of December. <laughs> I will sit down and I'll watch the the newest Doctor Who and see if... Because she's, she's really... She's she's really down-to-earth, Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. I like watching her on interviews. Hmm. She doesn't watch her mouth. She is very charming and northern. Mm-hmm. She's almost like the northern Olivia Coleman. Okay. Where they're not PR'd up to the eyeballs. They're not told, don't mention this, don't be like this. They are characters in and of themselves. So... And I think that that clearly comes across in their performances. So, yeah, I'd be up for watching it. I don't expect myself to get into all the old ones. I don't mm. I don't see myself watching, you know, the rickety old sellotape and cardboard <laughs> sets, that era. They're just kind of off their era, aren't they? They are very much off their mm. era. Um, it's hard to watch things mm. like that if you don't have an emotional connection to it. Yeah, I agree. That was Doctor Who the movie, directed by Jeffrey Sachs. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Yeah, he's a TV director. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and TuneIn Radio so you don't miss our New Year's episodes. And we're on Twitter, at Torn Stubbs Pod. Let us know what you're having for your Christmas or slash Hanukkah dinner. Um, And are you going to be watching Doctor Who? Have you seen this film? What do you think of it? Let us know. And big thanks to Thomas Meehan again for recommending this film. We're off to Gallifrey. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Josh Shaw winning. Cut.